Would you stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord? Well, first of all, uh, how many are surprised that I lived through last Sunday's sermon? Amen. If you weren't here last Sunday, you need to get online and listen. You'll understand what I'm talking about. Hey, today we're looking in the book of Proverbs, chapter number 4. The book of Proverbs, chapter number 4. We're going to read verse 25 and 26. Today we are reading from the Amplified Version. The Bible says, let your eyes look right on with fixed purpose. Say, with fixed purpose. And let your gaze be straight before you. Consider well the path of your feet. Say, path of your feet. feet. And let all your ways be established and ordered aright. Father, we thank you for your incredible, miraculous, infallible word. God, I just pray today, Lord, that you will help us, Lord, to receive the message, Lord, that you have for us to receive today. God, give us ears upon our heart to... To, to listen, to hear. God, may we not just listen and hear, but God, may we heed what we hear and may we put in, in, in practical uh, form and in practice what we, what we hear and what we receive today. Ask all of these things in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, if you are new to the Grace Place, we are in a series I'm calling Home Improvement. We've been talking about marriage, and we've been talking about how to improve our marriages. We've been doing that for a few weeks now. Well, this morning, we're going to talk about how to make good decisions. How to make good decisions. How many of you would agree with me that the decisions that we make in life have a dramatic effect on our marriages and on our homes? You see, the truth of the matter is who we are and where we are and what we are is the sum total of all of the decisions that we have made in the past. What we also need to understand this morning is that who we will be and where we will be and what we will be is being determined by the decisions that we are making right now. I want you to understand this this morning, that is decisions determine destiny. Decisions determine destiny. And I also want you to understand that our tomorrow is being decided today. Our tomorrow is being decided today. The way that our tomorrow is going to look, the finances that we're going to have in the future, uh, the way the, the, the enjoyment uh, with our children, uh, the uh, health of our marriage, all of these things, uh, our tomorrow is being decided right now, this very day. It is being decided by the decisions that we are making. So this morning, I want to give you five keys to making good decisions. Now, now this isn't an all-in-all message. It's not an all-inclusive message this morning, but, but I want to give you five keys. And I believe that if you'll go by these five keys, I believe these will drastically help you uh, to make good, quality, wise decisions uh, in the future. So let's get started this morning. The very first thing that you should do before making an important decision And may I add also that the most important thing that you should do is, number one, express to God your desire for his leadership. Before you ever make a major decision in your life, express to God your desire for his 
leadership. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 says, To trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And it goes on to say, Do not depend on your own understanding. He goes on to say, Seek his will in all you do. Say, in all you do. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. See, we should live our entire lives by these verses. God's word instructs us here to trust God for our future. It instructs us not to depend upon our own selves, but instead to depend upon him. To seek his will for every part of our life. And the word of God says that if we will seek his will, he will reveal his will to us. So, before we make any major decision or any important decision in our life, begin the process by expressing to God your desire for his leadership. Here's what we need to understand. God cares about every detail of your life. God cares about every detail of your life. And you also need to understand that God has a plan for every detail of your life. And the good thing I have to say this morning is, and that is that he will reveal that plan if we will seek his will for every detail of our life. Now, I can personally testify that, that the wrong decisions that I have made in my life. Say, Pastor, you've made some wrong decisions in your life? Absolutely. I don't bat a thousand. No one bats a thousand. But I can personally testify that the wrong decisions that I've made in my life and the wrong decisions that I've made in my ministry were made because of two mistakes I made. Number one, I didn't include God in my decision-making process. When I've made a mistake in my decisions, it's because I didn't include God in my decision-making process, or at least I did, not, I did not include God to the level that I should. Second reason why, I've, when I have made wrong decisions, the, the, the reason for it is because I got in a hurry. When I've made bad decisions and I've made wrong, poor decisions because I got in a hurry and I didn't dot all my I's and I didn't cross all my T's. You see, I've never been more convinced in my entire life about the value of prayer in decision making than I am today. I am absolutely convinced that God will lead us, he will direct us, he will guide us, he will show us what to do. If we will seek his face, he will help us make good quality wise decisions. Now, I've talked a little bit about the bad decisions, the wrong decisions that I've made in my life. Let me go on to say that the best decisions, the very best decisions that I have made in my life were based mostly upon what God spoke to me in prayer. My greatest accomplishments in life, my greatest successes in life have come about because of what God spoke to me in prayer and I was willing uh, to do what God told me to do. I'm going to suggest three things under this first point this morning. And the first one is this. If God is in it, it cannot fail. If God is in it, it cannot fail. You see, God never leads us into failure. Never. So if we fail after following God's leading, it's because we got off of the path he was leading us on somewhere along the way. Let me say this this morning, if God is not in it, it should fail. You see, nothing worthwhile takes place outside of God's will and God's leading. 
And the third thing that I want to say under point one, and this is one of, the, one of, my, one of my sayings, and it's one of my favorite uh, sayings that I love to say, and that is a God idea will work. A God idea will work. A good idea will work you. And I learned that a long, long time ago, and because of that, this is why I have never followed the fads. And this is why I don't jump on the bandwagon of every church growth fad that happens by. Here's what I do. I pray for God ideas. I pray for God ideas. I don't just look around for good ideas. And I know a lot of people do that. They just get on the, you know, the internet and they just surf the net looking for good ideas. I mean, that's a good idea. Or they call their best buddy and they say, you know, uh, give me a good idea. And the best buddy gives him a good idea. Listen, I don't do that. I pray for God ideas. I don't just look around for good ideas. Because I've understood and I found out a long, long time ago that a God idea will work. If, if I can get the leadership of the, of the Holy Spirit in my life, if I can get God to tell me what He wants me to do, if I can get God's leading in a certain situation, and I will follow God's leading in a certain situation, I know if I stay on the path that God is leading me, I know that if I remain laser-focused, I, I, rem- I know that if I don't let someone pull me to the left or the right, but I keep going in the direction that God has led me, and I know at the end end of the trail that I'm going to be successful and I'm going to be blessed for it because I've discovered a God idea will work a good idea will work you it'll work you and everybody around you when Dr. Yonggi Cho was pastor of the world's largest church in Seoul, Korea with over 750,000 members he was asked what his secret was for church growth how many think that he's the expert if he's pastoring the world's largest church, if he's got 750,000 people that attend his church, how many know he's a good guy to ask about church growth? And when Dr. Yonggi Cho was asked what his secret to church growth was, he simply said, I pray and I obey. That's it. I pray and I obey. I express to God my, my desire for His leadership. And I promise you this morning that if you will express to God your desire for His leadership, if you will ask God to lead you and direct you and guide you, if you'll ask God to show you the, the direction He wants you to go and show you uh, the answer to your dilemma, I'm telling you that God will hear you and that God will direct you and you can get on the right path this morning. How do you make good decisions? Well, first of all, you understand that we must express to God our desire for his leadership. James 1 and 5 says, if anyone uh, needs wisdom, let him ask God for it, and God will give him some, and God will not chastise him for asking. Let me just give you my little thing that I give everybody that asks me to they ask me for, for advice and ask me for help. Let me just give it to you. I'm going to say all these other things, and it's great. But listen, just get this little capsule for me. It'll be, a, it'll be great, too. When I have a major decision, when I have something important to, to decide on, I just go back to James 1 and 5. And I just remind God that he promised that if anyone lacked wisdom, they could ask God for it. And so I tell God, God, I need some wisdom to make this decision. 
I don't know what I need to do. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know which direction to take. So God, I need some wisdom. I don't need human wisdom. I need supernatural wisdom. God, I need you to deposit a, a, a sum of your wisdom into my life so I can make this decision. The Bible says if you lack wisdom, let him ask God. And then I remind God that he said he would give it to me. And so I say, God, I, you said if I needed wisdom, I could ask you and you'd give it to me. God, I'm telling you I need wisdom to make this decision. I need wisdom to know what I need to do. And so, God, I'm asking you for it. Your word says if I ask you for it, you'll give it to me. So, God, I know you, you're giving it to me right now. I still do my due diligence, all of those things. I still do all the things I'm going to talk about this morning. But then the bottom line is I make the decision. I make the decision. Whatever the decision is I make, I know that I'm making the right decision because I asked God to direct me. God said I could ask him for wisdom. And God said if I asked him for wisdom, he'd give me wisdom. And so by faith, I make the decision and, I'm, and I do what I'm going to do, believing that God has led, directed, and guided me because he promised me he would if I would seek his face. And then I don't look back. I don't second-guess my decisions. Because I prayed and asked God for wisdom. He said I could. He said if I would, he'd give it to me. So I, he has given it to me. So I make my decision based on the fact that I prayed and asked God and God gave it to me. So I know I had God's wisdom and I make the decision. And knowing it's the right decision because God's leading, directing me, guiding me because he said he would. And then I don't ever, I don't ever look back. I don't ever second guess that decision. When I've done my due diligence and done all of those things I'm talking about this morning. How many think that's Okay. All right, let's move on this morning. Second thing we need to do this morning is we need to examine the situation fully. I want you to notice two words in this sentence, examine and fully, or fully examine. Luke chapter 14, verse 28 and 29, the Bible says, don't begin something until you have counted the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough, room, is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. See, too often we are too hasty with our decisions. We are, we are so attracted to the glitter and the sparkle that we jump on board before examining the situation fully. We drink the Kool-Aid because everybody else is drinking the Kool-Aid. And we drink the Kool-Aid before we find out there's poison in the Kool-Aid. Here's a good little nugget for you if you're looking for little nuggets this morning. That is, if everyone is drinking the Kool-Aid, that's a good sign not to drink the Kool-Aid. I'll give you something to chew on this morning. You can agree with me or disagree. It's all right. You can f- fix it when you're preaching. But I want to just tell you what I, what, what I believe, and that is wisdom cannot be found in the crowd. And true wisdom is rare. Wisdom isn't just running around everywhere. It's rare. So if everybody's drinking the Kool-Aid, and wisdom is rare, and wisdom cannot be found in the crowd, the fact that everybody's drinking the Kool-Aid is a pretty good sign we ought not be drinking the Kool-Aid. Warren Buffett said it like this. He said, sell when everybody else is buying and buy when everybody else is selling. 
How do you make good decisions? Examine the situation fully. Fully examine the situation. Listen, take off your rose-colored glasses. See, sometimes we refuse to see the negative side of something because we are so enamored by the positive side. And so we say, don't confuse me with the facts. My mind is already made up. Several years ago, a young man came uh, to see me for counsel and for advice. The oil company that he was working for offered him uh, a job overseas. You know how it works. He would work 28 days overseas, and then he would be home for 28 days. 28 days in a row, he would be gone. 28 days in a row, he would be home. 28 days in a row, he would be working. 28 days in a row, he would not be working at all. And they offered to double his salary if he would do this. And he came to me for advice, and he came to me for wisdom, and he came to me for counsel. See, the double pay excited him as well as being off work for 28 days straight every other month. The only problem was he was married. And he had three kids under 10. I said to him, I said, I know this is not what you want me to say. I know you want me to put my stamp of approval on it. I know that's why you're here today. But I'm going to tell you that this is not fair to your wife. It's not fair to your kids. And I told him, I said, your wife will be without her husband and your kids will be without their father 50% of the time. I said, man, you're an engineer. You already make really good money. I said, listen, listen, if you do this, you will miss half of your children's lives. You'll miss half of their ball games. You'll miss half of their recitals. You'll, you'll, you'll miss half of their life. I said, your wife will have to be mother and father half of the time. I said, man, I said, listen, don't do this. I said, I said, you've come to me for counsel, so I'm giving you counsel, and I'm counseling you not to do this. I'm counseling you to wait until your kids are grown and out of the house, and then you can do it. You've got plenty of time. You're a young man. But he just couldn't take off his rose-colored glasses. All he could see was what was the money. All he could see were those 28 days when he'd be at home without any work to do. So he went ahead. He decided to do it. True story, a few years later, he came to see me. And he told me, he said, Pastor, he said, I should have listened to your counsel. I should have listened to your advice. He told me, he said, this decision that I made, he said, it caused a lot of problems in my home. It caused a lot of problems in my marriage. It caused a lot of problems with my family. It caused a lot of problems with my kids. He said, I wish I had listened to the counsel that you gave me. See, what had happened, he had not examined the situation fully. Take off your rose-colored glasses. Number two, list all the pros and cons. Make a list on one side, all the pros or all the reasons why you should. On the other side, all the cons or why you should not. If you're looking for gold nuggets, here's another little gold nugget this morning, and that is check your emotions. Before making any major decision in your life, check your emotions. Never make an important decision when your emotions are either too low or too high. Because things like depression or things like anger or anxiety can drastically alter your ability to make good, sound, quality, wise decisions. And so can the, so can the adrenaline rush you get when your emotions are overly high. And this is one of the reasons why I never make a major purchase the same day I find something. 
Even when the salesman is saying, well, it won't be here tomorrow if you don't buy it today. I say, well, then, if it's not here tomorrow, then I wasn't supposed to have it. And if it's not here tomorrow, then that just means I'm going to find a better deal somewhere. Sir, what can I do to put you in that car to date? Nothing. Man, make me your best deal because I might be back tomorrow. I may be back the next day, but I'm not doing it today. I wait for my emotions to settle down. And usually I'm not nearly as excited about it the next day. And if I am excited about it the next day, then I proceed with caution and I do my due diligence. You see, the purchases that I have regretted came about when I ignored this a few months ago I bought a new vehicle it's not a new one I don't buy new vehicles one owner, low mileage showroom like new it only took me three years to buy it literally three years I found the car, the vehicle I wanted three years before I bought it and every time I would drive up close to a vehicle, to a vehicle that w- was like the one I bought, I would say, what are they doing in my vehicle? <laughs> if I had somebody in the car with me, I'd say, tell them to get out of my truck. They're in my truck. That's my truck. <laughs> Worked really good because three years later I paid cash for it. <laughs> Hello? We're talking about how to make good decisions. I'm giving you five keys. Number one, express to God your desire for his leadership. Number two, examine the situation fully. Number three, you need to explore all the options. Explore all the options. In Mark chapter 6 and verses 32 through 44, the account is recorded of Jesus feeding 5,000 families using only a little lad's lunch of five little barley loaves and two small fish. You know the story how Jesus had taught this multitude all day long and everyone stayed with him all day long and at the end of the day everybody was hungry and and, and obviously uh, or evidently Domino's refused to deliver pizza to them. And so they had a decision to make. What are they going to do with this crowd of people? What are they going to do with this multitude? There are two things that we can learn here. Sure, there are many more, but two I want to point out this morning. Number one is the obvious is not always the answer. The obvious is not always the answer. The disciples thought that the correct decision was to do the obvious. And the obvious was simply to send everybody home. Because, see, the disciples had assumed that there was no food among them. And, and, and the fact of the matter is they had not invited these people. In fact, they had tried to get away from these people. And so they were not invited guests. So they didn't feel any responsibility to take care of their, of, of their need. And, 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 and the disciples knew that these people could and should have left and should have gone home when they began to get hungry. The obvious decision was just to dismiss the crowd and tell them to go away. And that is exactly what the disciples told Jesus to do. But Jesus knew that the obvious is not always the answer. 
And you know the story. Jesus ended up feeding the multitude in a very non-conventional manner. Listen, Jesus seldom uses conventional methods. This is another reason why we need to figure in the God factor into all of our decisions. Because God seldom does things the way that man would do them. See, see, when God is involved, the obvious is not always the answer. Just look at the lineup of disciples that Jesus chose to be his disciples. God chose who God chose would certainly not be who man would choose. So when making important decisions, explore all the options. The obvious is not always the answer. And you also need to understand that there will always be options. There will always be options. The disciples in this story didn't think they had any options, but they did. They could have sent everybody home, or they could have sent for food, or they could have began to look through the crowd to see what resources they already had, and then they could take what they already had and start with what they already had. And that is exactly what Jesus chose to do. See, too often we look at our situation or our circumstance and we say, well, this is a no-brainer. We all say it. I've said it many times. Well, there's, you know, this is a no-brainer. Or, or we say, you know, the answer here is obvious. Or, 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 on the other hand, we look at our situation and we say, well, I have no other option. I've got to do it. I have no other option. Listen, you always have other options. See, both of these are incorrect. When we say it's a no-brainer, or it's obvious, or when we say that I have no other option, both of those are incorrect. The obvious is not always the answer, and there will always be options. Now, we may not like some of the options, we might not be able to see some of the options, but there will always be Options. So before making any important decision, explore all the options. Let's look at the fourth key to making good decisions this morning, and that is this. Expose your situation to wise, trustworthy people. Say wise. wise. Say trustworthy. trustworthy. Proverbs 13 and 20 says to walk with the wise and you'll become wise. Associate with fools and you'll get into trouble. Proverbs 19 and 20 says that give, says to get all the advice and instruction you can so you will be wise the rest of your life. You young people that are sitting in this service this morning, if you will not only listen to what the old guy is saying, but actually hear it and actually heed it and put it into practice, listen, your life can be incredible. Don't wait till you've got problems to fix. Do the right things and the problems won't come. Those, those particular ones. And let me say this this morning. Don't, don't just talk to family and friends. See, see, they will often just tell you what they know you want to hear. 
See, see, their judgment is often, is often distorted by their emotional connection with you. I'm not saying don't seek counsel from your family and from your friends. I'm simply saying don't just talk to family and friends because, because their judgment is often distracted, or distorted by, by their emotional connection with you. And it's hard for them to be unbiased. And it's hard for them to be brutally honest with you because they don't want to hurt your feelings or appear disloyal to you. So often they will tell you what they know you want to hear. So then what do you do? Then you seek out people who excel in the area you need wisdom in. So that means don't seek financial counsel from someone uh, who's broke and in debt up into their eyeballs. (laughs) Don't seek marital counsel from somebody that's on their fifth marriage. Seek out people who excel in the area that you're in need of wisdom. Just this past week, a young, frustrated pastor called me for counsel about a situation in his church. He wanted to hang some people by their heels. He wanted to kill them and tell God that they died. I've been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. Before he hung up the phone, he said, he said, Pastor, he said, I'm sure glad I called you before I did something I would have regretted. All right, quickly, let's look at the fifth key to making good, wise decisions this morning. That, and that is execute a plan of action. Execute a plan of action. Somebody said too much analysis leads to paralysis. Yogi Berra said when you come to a fork in the road... Take it. Truth of the matter is, some people never plan. They just make it up as they go. Others never act. All they ever do is plan. And both are wrong. Both are wrong. After you have expressed to God your desire for His leadership, after you have examined the situation fully, after you have exposed all of the options, after you have, or you have explored all the options, after you have exposed your situation to wise, trustworthy people, after you have done all of these things, say all of these things. After you have done all of these things, then, say then. Only then execute a plan of action. Back to the story in Mark chapter 6, verse 32 through 44 about Jesus feeding the multitude with only the little lad's lunch of five loaves and two small fish. I want us to look and see how Jesus executed a plan of action after he made the decision about what he was going to do about the situation. There are four things that Jesus did as he executed a plan of action. Number one, Jesus took control of the situation. Jesus took control of the situation. See, we should never let anyone make our decisions for us. We should never let anyone make our decisions for us. Because nobody has to live with our decisions, but we do. Treason, when my kids come to me and ask me for my wisdom and ask me for my counsel. I will give them the wisdom that I have. I will give them the counsel that I have, but I always will, will, will tell them, but I can't make this decision for you. You have to make the decision because you have to live with the decision. I don't have to live with it. You have to live with it. 
So I'm not going to make the decision for you. I can lay it all out for you. I can help you look through some things. I can answer the questions that you have for me. But at the end of the day, you've got to take control of the situation. You've got to make your own decision. When Ronald Reagan was a little boy, his aunt took him to a cobbler to have some shoes made for him. And the shoe cobbler asked Ronald Reagan, said, said, do you want round toes or square toes on your shoes? And Reagan couldn't make up his mind whether he wanted round toes or square toes. And so when he got his new shoes, one shoe had a round toe and the other shoe had a square toe. And Ronald Reagan said, I learned right then and there, if you don't make your own decisions, somebody will make them for you. And the decision that somebody else makes for you may not be the decision you would want them to make. Jesus took control of the situation. Second thing Jesus did was he called, all, uh, he called on others to help. He called on others to help. He used the little lad and he used all 12 of the disciples in order to pull off this miracle. You see, you see God has placed people in all of our lives to help us. All of us, God has already put people in our lives to help us. But just make sure that you call on the right ones. Make sure you're calling on people that have wisdom in the area you need counsel in. And nobody has wisdom in every area, but everyone has wisdom in some area. And make sure you call on people you can trust. Third thing that Jesus did in executing his plan of action was Jesus collected all the resources. He collected all the resources. See, there wasn't very many resources available, but Jesus doesn't need a lot. He just needs something. See, that's our problem. We think we don't have enough. We think, well, I can't do this because I don't have enough. But listen, 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 if we will put it, if we will collect all the resources that we have and put them in the hands of Jesus, it'll be enough. Because you see, a little becomes a lot when placed in the hands of Jesus. All the little lad had was a little lad's lunch, just a little Happy Meal from McDonald's. Not even enough food for an adult, just a little lad's lunch. But a little becomes a lot when you place it in the hands of Jesus. And the little that you and I have this morning given to Jesus will always be enough. And then finally, Jesus charted a course of action. The Bible says that Jesus divided the the thousands into groups of fifties and hundreds. And the sea of people where the Bible said there was 5,000 families, probably 15,000, 20,000 people. But, but all of a sudden when Jesus divided the thousands into, the, into groups of 50s and 100s, the sea of people now began to look manageable. Jesus obviously knew how to eat an elephant, didn't he? One bite at a time. See, see, sometimes, sometimes we allow the big picture to overwhelm us, but when we chart our course, it starts with just taking the very first step. Now, all of the other steps will eventually come, but we should concentrate on just the first step. And then after we take the first step, then, then, then we can take the next step. Listen, listen, I, I cannot take a million steps today, but I can take the first one. I can't get to the end this morning, but I can get started. 
I can't take a million steps today, but I can take the first one. And after the first one, then I can take the second one. And after I take the second one, I can take the third step. And then the fourth step. And then the fifth step. And then momentum sets in and it becomes easier and easier. And I start now taking two, three, four, five steps at a time. Execute a plan of action. Our takeaway this morning is decisions determine destiny. And our tomorrow is being decided today. If I could get some help on the platform this morning, please. Pastor, how does making good decisions have to do with home improvement? Our homes will drastically improve when we start making good, wise, quality, godly decisions. God-led decisions. In fact, the reason for the problems in your home is because you did not make good, quality, godly, God-leading decisions in the past. Because you're where you're at today because of the decisions that you made yesterday. And you will be where you'll be tomorrow by the decisions that you're making today. So if you do not like where you are today, why in the world would you want to make the same decisions today that you made yesterday that led you to today, that made you what you are today? Why would you not want to make some changes and make better decisions today so that you can enjoy a better tomorrow? 